Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. All right, let's go to your Bibles and let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, uh, sorry, verse 19. Now, I'm going to give you some scriptures today that is going to cause you to uh, study. So I want you, what I want is for you guys, for us, our spiritual family, to get our Bibles, our, our app, whatever, and go home and stu- restudy this because I tell you, uh, when I have been, um, how do I say this, when I have been encountered, re-encountered again with obedience from an eternal mindset, I'm going to be honest with you, it has grounded me in a lot of areas. And when I mean grounded me, when my flesh wants to say something or more, when uh, I want to just do something, I'm, I'm more grounded and disciplined when I realize do you, I'm, I'm doing things for the eternal purposes, not just for this purpose here. Who was here last week when I started this series? All right, that was about maybe, I don't know, 70% of you. Well, the rest of you, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It's going to be in the Amplified Version, all right? And so the Amplified Version, if you have it in your app, go ahead and, and look at it. Let's pray real quick, guys, because uh, I believe the joy of the Lord, the freedom of the Lord is going to hit us. Can I just be honest with you? The greatest messages are, not one, are only the ones that make you shout, uh, what I mean by make you shout is like the rah-rah messages. Those are really good. You know, God's going to bless you. God's going to heal you. God's going to do all this stuff for you. That's great. But you know what? True believers and followers of God, you will be shouting in the inside when something is trying to reach you to get obedient to the things of God. And I've realized something in my walk with God uh, that you could be, you could, you could have a lot of emotion uh, in your walk with God and not be completely obedient to what he's telling you to do. Amen? So in the Matthew chapter 6, let's just pray. Father, we just ask you to open up our, the word this morning. That's what we got dressed this morning to encounter you. We got dressed to come, Lord Jesus, to hear your word. I pray that you will bless every and strengthen every person that hears this message. That it, be, let it bear great fruit that lasts for eternity. And I thank you for your anointing, and I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said, all right, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Now, I'm going to read in the Amplified Version, and if, you, if it's okay with you, I have a little bit more scriptures than usual because I'm a scripture person, and I like to preach. So today is teaching, but even while I'm teaching, a little preach may come on every now and then, all right? Uh, so now, now I want you to hear this from an a eternal mindset, not a temporal mindset, okay? Now, look at what Jesus said. Do not gather and heap up and store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Now, I read this many times, right? But I'm going to highlight a lot of things here. Where moth, everybody say moth, and rust, say rust, destroy and consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But gather and heap up and store, watch this, for yourselves. So Jesus is not against storing things for yourself. Hello. Store for yourself. Treasures in heaven, treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust nor worm consume and and destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I want to read from the the Amplified version that I have. I'm not sure uh, what the the media team has, but there's an Amplified version that I have that didn't read like that. This is how mine reads. Do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and and, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers. That's actually word for word in my amplified version. Your wishes, your desires, that which your life centers will be also. Now, when it comes to treasures, and I'm going to break down treasures in just a second. Now, I want you to notice something that is really powerful. And I'm going to, know, I'm going to share it in a second. Now, there's two extremes when it comes to treasures, when we talk about treasures. There's two extremes out there. The one extreme is that God wants everyone wealthy and rich. 
And the other extreme is that if you worked hard for your, uh, your house or you worked hard, you, you, you pay your tithe, you're faithful, and you have a, a nice car or you're living in a good house, the other extreme is, is sell everything and just live a poverty lifestyle. Well, d- both extremes are not correct. So, so be- because... God bless Abraham, God bless Job financially, God bless Solomon financially, God bless David financially, based on what they can carry and, um, and what they can handle, but based on also on their obedience to the Lord. On the other hand, the Lord told the rich young ruler, sell everything that you have and give to the poor and follow him because he saw that riches for him were, were an idol, all right? Now watch, so this is where I'm going to have you... Say, hmm, you know, like things that go, hmm. (laughs) Jesus was not talking about only money in this scripture. Now watch this. He was talking about our motivation, hear me now, for our treasures that we pursue here on earth. Now, Now watch this. Listen closely. And where they will be stored. Now, Now listen to this really carefully. Jesus was talking about our the motivation of why we do what we do. Last week we talked about that God is, the Lord is going to judge us on the judgment seat of Christ, part, partly, not only for our works, but why we did our works. And I proved it in scripture that you could actually lose your reward if you do the things that God called you to do with the wrong motive. You could actually do something that God called you to do, but if you want, if you're doing it so that your gifts could be seen, if you're doing it so that people could see you, if you're doing it just only for money, then even though you are obedient to the call of God, your motives on that day will be tried. And again, it's for every believer, just to give you a backstory, every believer will face the judgment seat of Christ. And again, that, that is... And nowadays, that word judgment is like, ugh, don't say that. No, I'm talking about the judgment seat of Christ. That means every believer will be in that appointment, and we cannot be late. No matter what, no matter what the timetable in our, we will never be late to that appointment. We can't be late. We will all be tried before the Lord for our works, how we lived our life. Now watch this. This is, this is interesting. Jesus was talking about where, where our treasures would eventually be stored up. Now wait a minute. Our treasures can be stored in heaven? What does that mean? Now watch this. This is the thing that I'm going to, I, 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 I don't want to preach right now because a little preach is coming out of me right now. But, but a, a, a quick question to ponder. Ugh. Why would someone store up treasure in a place if they didn't plan on using it later? Why would there be treasures stored up or you store up treasure even Jesus says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. But he says, it's okay for you to store up treasure in heaven. In other words, I want you to store up for yourself treasures in heaven. In other words, the thing that I want you to ponder in, why would we store up something now if it's not going to be used up later? Why is it in the natural that we store up money or we save up money in our savings account or our checking account? Isn't it so that we can have enough to use for later, right? Why would you store up something if you're not planning to use it later? You're not hearing me this morning. Now, why do I say that? Because I, I'm going to get into that in just a moment. I just, want, I just want you to think about this. It says your treasures are in heaven. That means, guys, here I'm going to pop the bubble. There's treasures in heaven. And here's, and here's it's not just gold streets. It's your treasures that you store up based on how you live in your life, either for the temporal moment or for eternal. Now, I want you to put that first slide up there, Zach. When talking about treasures, Jesus was talking about our obedience being based on either temporal, save temporal, things here on earth that will rot away, or eternal, say eternal, lifestyle of obedience that will have fruit forever. Fruit forever. And... Why do I say this is because this scripture is talking about our motivation of our obedience and why we do what we do. And if we fulfill the call of God on our lives, when's the last time someone asked, told you that you and I have a responsibility to fulfill the call of God in our lives? We think because God is love, and I'm going to talk about what God 
what love truly is according to Scripture. What's love got to do with it? It's got everything to do with it. It's got everything to do with obedience. And I'm going to show you through Scripture that the love that society has or even um, says today is really not the love of God that God says in his word. We have a, um, a fallacy here in the body of Christ, uh, not here, but all throughout the body of Christ, that says if we love someone, we have to agree with everything they do. When, when, is, that, when is that the definition of love? Just because you love someone doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they do, they say. But love does demand something from us. Biblical, biblical love does that. Now, I, I want you to see this because he says, uh, do not stir yourself treasure on earth, on earth where moth, rust, thieves uh, come in and break steel. So there's two different realities. One is a temporal motivation for obedience. Say temporal. So what, what, is, what, is, what is storing up treasure on earth? Storing up treasures on earth is, uh, watch this, is, have, is living only for the now. Can I just be a little bit more clear? Living only for your 401k. Living only for your retirement. Living only so that you could save, 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 and then spend all your money on vacations. I got quiet up in RCC, right? So, so that's the temporal mindset. Now, as a Christian, it's not necessarily that you're doing anything wrong by going on vacations. That's not my, what I'm saying. Is what I'm saying is most Christians, they live their lives, they love the Lord, and they just kind of float by, uh, by, by life. And before you know it, they save, they work hard, and they don't want to be obedient to some other things that are kind of hard to be obedient in. And they live their life so that one day they don't have to work anymore. And we all do that. I, I get that. But their obedience to the Lord takes a backseat burner in the backseat because we're living for this age and we're not living for the age to come. So what is 80, 90 years compared to eternity? A trillion, billion years. Think about that. Think about a billion years versus 100 years. And last week I showed a video about how that type of mindset has consumed the church or consumed people. So the other, uh, the other uh, spectrum is the eternal motivation. And now what, now what is the eternal motivation for obedience? To give language to it. The eternal motivation is living a sacrificial life and living holiness sometimes when it doesn't make sense and when the culture is not saying to make sense. Why? Because by walking in holiness, watch this, and, and living a sacrificial life and, and, and pursuing the call of God and obeying the call of God in your life, whatever that may be, may be sacrificial. But you're heaping up treasures in heaven when you do that. For yourself. Hello. For yourself. Guys, before you blink, you're 50 years old. You blink again, you're 70 years old. You blink again, your kids are graduated. You blink again, and your kids are married. You blink again, and, they, and now you have grandkids. And you said, how in the world did this happen so fast? And can I just be really transparent? And if we're, not li and we're living only for the now, by the time we get 50, 60, 70 years old, we're going to have feelings of regret like, oh, my God, I'm too tired. I don't want to do the call of God anymore. I just want to live the last 20 years of my life. And then you realize, what did I do with my life? Did, God, did I fulfill the call of God in my life, what he told me to do, how he told me to do it, and then I do it with a pure heart? Right? Now watch. Now watch this. I'm going to break down moth, rust, and thieves. Because Jesus said, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Now, here's the, here's the symbolism. When we build up now, when we live for the now, come on, are you getting anything this morning? When we live only for our gratification now, how we can succeed now. There's nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with trying to strive to get ahead. That's nothing wrong with that. But if your anchor is only for the now and you're postponing what God is telling you to do because you want to rack up a certain amount of things in your life that you want to do your bucket list, right? What if, what, what if, this is just coming to me now, what if you never get to your bucket list but you get fully obedient to the Lord? 
Now, maybe your bucket list is doing the things of the Lord. But maybe, what if, what if our mindset changed and we realized that everything, watch this, for the believer in Christ is not where you will spend eternity. It's how you will spend eternity. I talked last week. We're not going to flow around in, in, in clouds and eat grapes. That's what we think eternity is. All of eternity. Do you think we're going to just float around and have no responsibilities you know the Bible says the new Jerusalem is going to come to earth. We're not just going to be floating around. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. That means there's going to be responsibilities. And last week, if you notice, I gave an example of people who are faithful with the minus, right, with their money, the minus. And Jesus' response in that parable was, you've been faithful with 10, watch this, 10 minus, you'll be ruled over 10 cities. That's what he says. Or you'll be governor, uh, the NLT, governor for 10 cities. That means... Our lifestyle here will determine what Jesus gives us, the rewards. Not just the rewards, but how we live in eternity. I heard a man of God say, I want to be in the boardroom when Jesus starts picking leaders to go over cities or go over uh, provinces to, 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 to rule. I want to be, I don't know about you, I don't just want to just barely make it. Last week we talked about what Paul the Apostle said in Corinthians. Again, I didn't say it. He says, therefore, we make it our aim our focus whether we're we're present or we're absent what what is it what is it to be well pleasing to the lord now wait why did he say to well be well pleasing to the lord why just because he wants us to be well pleasing this is what paul the apostle said he says we make it our aim to well be pleasing to the lord for we must all stand before the judgment seat of christ that's not in america we don't preach these things we don't preach preparing for eternity and Paul the Apostle, he said this, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. In other words, he got a glimpse somehow through his, through his um, devotions with the Lord. Through revelation, he got a glimpse. Oh, my God, the Lord has a system in place. We are all going to stand. Listen, and I guys, I'm going to show you in just a little bit that we could get reward, but we could also suffer loss. Do you realize that if we get this in us, it will anchor us to be obedient through the fear of the Lord even greater? And so moth, it says, do not store yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. That is symbolic of, that is symbolic of, of, of a short temporary value of why you do things on earth. The short Temporary value of living for earthly things. It speaks of, watch this, things that will corrode and decay. Corrode and decay and have no value. Uh, this is where I, I felt like a preacher was coming on me for a little bit. You know what moths do? You know what moths attract? Especially clothed moths. I just gave the answer, right? What do they eat? What do they, what do they attack? They, so they latch on your clothes or on your garments and they start eating it slowly away, slowly away, slowly until, until you realize you have a, little, a big hole because you had no clue that a moth was there. When you invest in things only of this life and how to get gratification now, how to get quick money now, how to get on top now, how to, how to do whatever just now and have no eternal mindset based on your obedience, you know what's going to happen? You know what garments speak of? Is the anointing on your life, the call of God on your life. Ano uh, garments speak of identity. Priests wore garments to identify them. It eats away at your, oh, don't make me preach here this morning. If you, if you, if you only invest into the now, it starts eating away at who you were born to be. And rust, once rust sets in, it starts real slow, and, it's, and the decay is destructive. What it's saying is we're going to have shock when we realize that things that we built our life on are no longer valuable. Right? Then it says, it says we're thieves break in. And when I saw that, this speaks of when thieves break in, if we're investing our obedience only in the now, thieves break in is symbolic of vulnerability, watch this, vulnerability and instability in what you're banking on, what you're thinking on. If you have thieves breaking in your house 
on a repeated basis, here's what's failing. Your protection and your security that you've built up is failing you. Your protection, your alarm system, your security is failing you. So here's what, I'm, what, what Jesus is trying to say. Your spiritual protection system for this life on earth is going to fail you in light of eternity. Thieves will break in continually if you're only living for the now. I meet so many Christians that they have absolutely no, no goal of the things that God has put on their heart to do in their life. All they want to do is sit down, love God, and leave me alone, and let me uh, party, and let me do whatever I need to do with my life. But, 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 I want to love Jesus. If you actually re remember last week's scripture that we, we wrote it, we read it in New, New, the New Living Translation, it says, it says, though our works will be tried by what? By what? So it will be tried by his fire, right? It, whether the Bible says if it will stand or not. And, we, and he talked about wood, hay, straw. Some people will build their lives with wood, hay, straw. Some people will build their lives with gold, silver, and precious stones. And then the Bible says if that work is tried and it gets consumed by the fire, his soul will be saved, but yet barely escaping a room of fire. Now, some people would say, now I'm, I want to pause and say something that's kind of controversial. If all you say in your life is, well, if that's the case, if I'm still going to get saved, still, if I'm still going to get saved, and I just do the bare minimum, and I live like I want to live, and I'm, just, I, I'm, I'm okay with losing, you know, we're just barely making it and escaping through the flames of fire. If that's your mindset, I question if you're even walking with the Lord. I really do. Because your desire for those who have been changed by the Lord, his desires becomes your desires, right? And so... What, why do I say all this? Because the Greek word for treasure, are you ready for this? The Greek word for treasure, look at this, up, look up in your screen, is thesaros, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, which means, now this is where I'm going to get a little excited here, okay? Now, treasure says, do not, do not store up yourself treasures on earth, he says, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Now, here's the question. You're storing up treasures either way. The question is, are you storing up treasures for yourself on earth or in heaven? Look at it. It says, it's a place in which good and precious things are collected and stored up for later use or a deposit. Woo! Oh my gosh. You guys, did, that was a good place to say amen. The Greek word for treasure is a place in which Good and precious things are collected and stored up for later use, or another word for treasure is deposits, a place where you put deposits. Do you know what that means? Every time you fulfill the call of God, every time you're obedient to the word of God, you're making deposits in your spiritual bank account that will be used later for all eternity. You're making oh my gosh, no, I'm going to go to this side because maybe this side could help me. Every time we are obedient to the, to the voice of the Lord, with, every time we're obedient to the work of the Lord with a pure motive, we are storing up deposits. We're making deposits spiritually for all eternity. Watch. Oh, my gosh. Look at this. Look at this. So that means, unlike, look at this next slide, the temporary treasures that we invest in for only earthly purposes Watch this. This should get you to shout. Heavenly treasures are not subject to loss or depreciation. Heavenly treasures are not subject to loss or depreciation. Heavenly treasures. When you do it for the, the Lord, for his obedience. And those things are eternal rewards. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also so after Jesus talked about the treasures in heaven versus treasures on earth, he says, remember something. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what you treasure is a true indicator where your heart is. Say that with me. Where, what I treasure is an indicator of where my heart is. He says, where, where your treasure is, is your heart will be there also. Your heart will be there 
It's a posture of the heart. Where you're investing your heart in your life, that's your treasure. Where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Can I hear an amen? And so why, why I'm, I'm going to continue this because I want, I want to get to this part of, about love here. Uh, but why do we do the things on earth? Ask yourself. You don't have to answer me. Why do I do what I do? Why? What's my motive? Do I want people to see me? Do I want my pastor to see me? Do I do it only because I'm insecure and I want people to make me feel good? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I being persuaded by other people to do something that God has not told me to do? So it's not only God's word, but his call of God for your life. Why you did what you did and the things he spoke in his word. In his word. Now, look, look at this. This is a, a powerful statement that I'm about to share. It's going to be up on the screen. We must realize that the decisions made on that day, on the judgment seat of Christ, will never, ever be changed or reversed. Oh, anyway, I want to say that again. We must realize that the decisions made on that day that we stand before the Lord will never I'll, I'll add, ever, 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 ever be reversed. It's not like we could change his mind 3,000 years and go and say, hey, uh, 3,000 years later, a million years later, and say, hey, Jesus, let me holler at you for a second. Can I talk to you for a second? Hey, remember that, uh, remember that decision you made about my life? Um, you know, when my work was tried and, like, I, I, I messed up uh, in a lot of areas. I, did, I just lived for myself, and my, all my works were burned up. Is there any way that you could change that, reverse that? That those, as far as what we know in Scripture, we don't know everything. But what we know in Scripture, the decisions made on that day can never be changed. Guess what? The way that we determine it is not on that day. is how we live here on earth. Oh, God. So that means we can prepare our lives to be able to have confidence. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to show you in Scripture, not just PG. I'm going to tell you that as Christians, you can, A, have confidence at his appearing. At his appearing. And, and in that day of judgment, or we can have lack of confidence in that day when we're standing before him. You say, oh, come on, Pastor George. On that day, everyone, every, everyone will have confidence. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that there can be some that will be afraid, and there will be some that won't be afraid. The day, now, I'm, I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord. We're going to have the fear of the Lord. We're going to have the glory of God. But what, what, why I, I say this is because we only got... <laughs> We only got one shot at this life in order for us to determine what's going to be decided in that day of judgment. In the judgment seat of Christ. Our, what are we doing with our lives? Why are we living the way we are living? Can I hear an amen? Uh, this, this is not really a, a shouting message for those of you who like um, other types of messages. But you know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says? That righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. And mercy and truth go before his face. It's like, it's like, uh, like, like this is his throne. He's sitting on righteous, righteousness and justice. And mercy and, and truth are before him. It's like they're, they're bowing before him. So there's a, there's a balance between that. Okay? I have a thought, though. I have a thought. You know, what if... What if we prepared for eternity like we are preparing for our retirement? Why? What, uh, it doesn't mean that we're going to have it all together, but at least there's going to be a little bit sen a more sense of urgency of our lives. If I could just be honest with the American church, most of us are just wasting our life away. And we're ignoring what God is telling us to do, and we're ignoring what the things that God has asked us to do, and we're ignoring his word. Now, I, I, I say all this because I want to break some other scriptures down, which this is so powerful. I want you to look at Colossians 3. Are you getting something this morning? Colossians 3, 22. While you turn, while you turn to Colossians 3, 22, ask, your, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what have I postponed in my life that you've been telling me to, to do, that you've been telling me to accomplish, that you've been telling me to be obedient, obedient to? All right? Now look at this. Colossians 3, verse 22, verse 25. Look at there. If you're there, when you're there, say Amen. Look it up the screen. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters uh, uh, according to the flesh, not with eye service. Now say eye service. 
So we're going to break that down. As men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. This is an eternal mindset. Because if we're doing it for people, we're not going to have eye service. If we're, if, we're, if we're doing it for people, then we have eye service. If we're not doing it for people, if we're doing it for the Lord, it doesn't matter if they pat your back or they don't pat your back. You're still going to be obedient to the Lord. A true sign that you are living from an eternal perspective is that when you don't get offended, when you're working hard for the Lord and nobody recognizes you, and nobody pats you on the back, and we all do this, and we all say, well, I'm doing it for the Lord. But here's the test if you're really doing it for the Lord. If people don't reward you, if people don't pat you on the back, or even if they criticize your work, well, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not coming to this church because they don't recognize me anymore. Because, see, I don't have this anymore. They don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't reciprocate what I'm wanting. Well, guess what? Then you're doing it for eye service. Now, now, now watch. I'm going to continue. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. Watch this. And not to man, knowing. Everybody say knowing. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. He who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. Now watch this. I looked this up in the Greek, right? I looked up eye service in the Greek, and there's like different definitions in the Greek for eye service, all right? So there's about three or four sentences. So I combined those three or four sentences into one paragraph so that you could see what eye service means. And can I be honest with you? The reason why we're miserable as Christians sometimes is because we're expecting people to give us what only God could give us. I remember uh, uh, Todd White saying something years ago that I remember, I remember recording and playing over and over and over again. I remember he said, it's impossible for you to offend me. And I, at first I was like, well, you know, it's not possible, you know. <laughs> and he goes, you know what? It's impossible for you to offend me. He goes, the only way that you could offend me is if I need your applause, if I need your gratification, if I need your pat on the back. And then he said, how can you give me, how can, how, how can you steal something that you never gave me? Think about that. But when we know, when we know that our reward is the Lord, it don't matter how people treat you. If you're called to serve in your local church and in ministry, if you're truly doing it from an eternal perspective, come on, don't make me run around this church. Then you, <laughs> then you, then you will do it with a smile all the time, even if the pastor or leader doesn't call you or text you. Do you know how many people, yeah, I told you before, I'm, 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 a, I'm a different kind of pastor because I, I smell like the sheep. I, I, I message people from our church saying, how are you doing? And they're not even leaders. I mean, most pastors, most churches, if you do that, the, the senior pastor doesn't give them the, the, their, their cell number. I can't keep up that pace. I I can't keep up that pace as we grow, but people have gotten so used to me reaching out to them, like the senior pastor reaching out to every, I can't keep up that pace, that they get offended when the senior pastor doesn't check up on them and and text them. That's why we have leaders. That's why the Bible says Aaron, I mean, uh, the the Bible says, says, and Jesus said, look, go ahead and and sit these people down and you feed them. Now watch, watch, watch this definition. Oh, man. Eye service. Ready? Look at the screen. Eye service. Everybody say eye service. Eye service has everything to do to the why you're being obedient. Woo! Come on, give me five, somebody. Come on, come on. Give me five. Why are you being obedient? Why are you up on that stage? Why are you showing up early? Why are you come to church? Why are you living holy? Why are you, why are you tithing? Why are you, why are you serving with, uh, at the guest service team, at the worship team, or pastoral, pastoral team? Why? Here it is. I service in the Greek means, no, no, don't, uh, this, this, I, I try to rehearse this word. Ophthalmodelia. Ophthalmodelia. Do you know how to say that, Jarrett Harvest? Huh? Ophthalmodelia. Sakalawasuda. Okay, so. Ophthalmodelia, Sakalawasuda. Okay, so. All right, so look, look, look. <laughs> In the Greek, here's what it means. Are you ready? Watch this. Oh, my God. This is what it means. It means service or work performed with greater diligence and generosity only when someone is watching. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. With greater, serving with greater diligence. Oh, Pastor George is coming. Let's go ahead. Or you see it in the cameras, you know, the big churches, they're like talking and then the camera because they know I'm going to be on TV. 
I used to do that Penny Hens ministry. I'd be like, oh. And you see this big old crane going. Eye service. Working or where Mike comes along with the, <laughs> with the camera, he'd be like, oh, Jesus. Now watch. It means serving, eye service means only working more diligently and generosity when you know someone is watching or when they know that their boss or supervisor or master, that's that word, is watching. Oh, come on. Let me pause and say this. At your job, don't be so religious and start doing things that are not time for you to do in your job. Well, well, you know what? I'm just I'm 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 getting a 30-minute break because I deserve it, and I'm I'm tired. When you're supposed to have a 15-minute break, but you could get away with it. So at your job, you're slacking because the the boss is not there a lot, or he's not attentive. And all of a sudden, when the boss comes in, you're like you're like throwing paper balls, whatever. And the boss comes in, you're like. It's good to see you, boss. That, that's what eye service is, is the appearance. But what's the motive? You're doing it for people. Don't you know that the whole time you're, you're throwing those spitballs or whatever you're doing at work? Don't you know that God is counting that as earthly treasures? And then you wonder why we don't get promoted by the Lord. And we get passed up. Because God sees faithfulness. Faithfulness is a, it's a prerequisite for pr- promotion. But it's faithfulness unto the Lord. Which means even, uh-oh, uh-oh, if you don't like your boss, you do it unto the Lord. If you don't like your pastor, you do it to the Lord. If you don't like your leader, you do it to the Lord. If you don't like your parents, you do it to the Lord. Now Watch. When a person, look at, I'm going to continue, the, the second definition of eye service. When a person or boss or supervisor, etc., is absent, on the other hand, the work renders to sluggish and lazy work. You can look that up in the Greek. It actually says when, the, per, when the, the person is not there, they render back to sluggish and lazy work. How many of us could honestly say that when nobody is looking and no one's going to give us a pat on the back, that we still show up as if the Lord himself is watching. Now, we say that religiously, but do we do it? Boy, if we get this revelation, churches will be packed with volunteers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't have to beg because it doesn't fit this or it doesn't fit that. I don't know, it doesn't fit your style. If, you're, if, you're, if God called you to a place, if God planted you to a place, he wants to also not just uh, ha- heal you, but he also wants to release the gifts through you. Exactly. But there's some people that they're looking at someone else's grace and say, I want that grace for my life. Well, maybe that's not your grace. Some of us, you want a million dollars, you can't handle a hundred. And you have this pattern of, of wasting money, wasting money. And you're like, God, but, but if I only were a millionaire. No, you can't be a millionaire. But if you can handle $100, maybe he'll trust you with $500. If you, if you can handle $500 on a consistent basis, he'll probably give you $5,000. But here's the point. Are we serving the Lord with eye service? Ask yourself this. Why do you come to church? Why are you being involved? Why are we on, on, on our teams? Why, why, why is it so that we can see someone tell you, good job? Man, you, man you've been working really hard. Now, 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 listen, if that happens, that's a bonus. But listen, I want to get to the point, and I don't think I'm all the way there, but I'm getting there. Trust me, I am getting there. You know how I know I'm getting there? Because the old PG used to, used to get upset by lack of people being here. And the Lord has recently done something in me. First of all, in the area of prayer, uh, guys, you know, the people that come on Tuesday nights are just seven of us out of 150 member church. And I'm just, hallelujah, there's seven people, glory to God. The other day when there was four people at, at meet and greet, the old PG would have been like, only four people. But the new PG is like, four people. You know why? Because those four people are already being plugged in. Because here's the thing. Why are we doing it? Now, if you, let, here, I'm going to set you free. If you don't get this principle now, I guarantee you, you have the propensity sooner or later, even in this church, to get offended because someone overlooked you. 
or because they, don't, they didn't reward you based on your hard work. Can I hear an amen? amen? Who are we looking to, and who do we want to look back to us? Oh, man. Do you want men to look back to you, or do you want Jesus to look back to you? For what you do, do you want men to look back at you and recognize you, or do you want Jesus to look back at you and recognize you? Huh? So, so say amen. amen. Now, here's the part where I'm going to talk about love. Everybody say love. Because I found some powerful, we're going to go on a, a quick journey. Are you with me? Are you, going to, are you excited to go on a journey? Because I find that there's a battle between the cultural love that we uh, define as slushy, mushy, tolerant. I'm, I'm pausing for amen. Thank you, Miss Linda. We think love is tolerating sin. <sighs> Pastor John, Pastor John, Pastor John. Love is not, so what, what is cultural love? It's feelings, it's emotions, it's, it's uh, infatuations. But I want, you, I want to go on a biblical journey about how love is. Look, put that slide up there, Zach, because true biblical love demands obedience. Woo! Yes! I'm going to be happy about myself because it's contrary to the slushy, fluffy, emotional, feeling love that we in society and even the church has adopted. Many in the church have said, well, brother, that's too, you, you're, not, you're not walking in love. It says who? Listen, when it comes to obedience, what's love got to do with it? What's love got? No, let me stop. Let me stop. Hey, stop, stop. <laughs> when it comes to obedience, love has everything to do with it. Are you ready? As a matter of fact, I'm going to dare, I've never said this before, but in studying love, scriptural love, in the last couple of weeks, I am convinced, I'm almost convinced, that love and obedience are like synonymous. Watch this. Ooh, I feel the Holy Thank you, Lord, for that. <laughs> like a, <laughs> a lot of people in church say, well, brother, I love God, but I just have weaknesses. Now, I'm not saying that you can't love God and not have weaknesses, but I am saying, according to Scripture, you're going to see it. We're going to go on a journey. It's impossible to truly say you love God if you're not keeping his word. Because people, who, lovers of God, can't say that they love God if they're being disobedient on a habitual basis. I know that sounds strong, but I'm glad you look at me funny because I'm going to go there. So now no, watch this. First John chapter 4, really quick. Oh, man, this is so good. Listen, First John chapter 4, and then we're going to go on a quick journey here. I'm going to pop off scriptures. I want you to, to write them down. I want you to study them, okay? Now look at this. This is, this is, the, this is the part where people uh, about love, this scripture, that they don't want to, um, they don't want to talk about. First John chapter 4, verse 17, verse NLT, in, in NLT. Are you there? Up on the screen. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect or mature. Let me read that again. As we live in God, our love grows more mature. So we will not be afraid. Mm, I'm going to say that. So we will not be afraid. We will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Let me read that again so you can sink in. And as we live in God, our love grows more mature, more perfect, so we will not be afraid. So wait, pause. If the scripture says that we, if we live like Jesus on the earth, we will not be afraid, then there's a possibility that we can be afraid. If the scripture says if we live like Jesus on the earth, we will not be afraid on that day, then if we don't live like Jesus on the earth and we're just kind of wasting our life, there will be that day that we, don't, we can't approach him with confidence. And, you know, even, even in, the, in, the, in the temporal world, the Bible says, I believe it's in 1 John, I had you, you do it, is, it says, if our hearts condemn us, we, we, have, we don't have confidence with God. He says, but if our hearts don't, don't condemn us, then we have confidence with God. Well, how does our heart condemn us when we know there's unresolved, unrepentant sin in our life? That's just, that's, that's it is. 
And you know how freedom, we, uh, Christine was talking about freedom. There's not just freedom from chains and addictions. There's freedom to worship with a pure heart when you know that you come before the Lord. And now watch this. If there is sin in your life, the Bible says those who confess their sins, God is faithful and just to forgive. But if you are unrepentive in some of your sins, it's impossible to come and have confidence before God. Your heart will condemn you. The Lord is not going to condemn you. Your own heart is. Come on, come on, say amen. So watch this. Now, now this, is, this is the place where a lot of people miss it. Because a lot of our love is temporal love, but God's love is from a whole nother dimension. All right? Now, I'm gonna, this is where we're going to go to a journey, and then we're going to have the worship team come up. Now, are you ready for this? Are you guys ready? I want you to see how love has everything to do with an eternal mindset of obedience. How many in here, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, how many here truly feel you love God with all your heart? Come on, come on. Come on, that's all of us. All of us. Okay. Mostly all of us say we love God with all of our hearts. Now, let's go to a journey. Well, I have to be careful because a lot of times I've heard people say, well, you know what? I love God, but, you know, we're having a problem with fornication here, but we still love the Lord. There's a difference between having a weakness and being repentive than continuing to do those things habitually and say that you love God. I'm sorry, but I'm going to share with Scripture that the Bible will prove that if you're in, in constant denial of, of, of allowing the Lord to change your ways and be repentive, then you don't love God. Look, 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to get in trouble, so just go ahead. and 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. In the Amplified Version. Look at the Amplified. 1 John 2, verse 5. Are you there? Here's the journey. We're going to go. We're going to give you four scriptures of what Bible says love is, not what society say love. Say love. Come on, say love. Say love. Okay. But he who keeps or treasures his word, who bears in mind his precepts. Watch this. I want everyone to listen to me. Look at this. Who observes his message in its entirely, entirety, truly in him. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Truly in him, the love of and for God has been completed or perfected or reached maturity. Hello? Hello? By this we may perceive, know, recognize, and be sure that we are in him. Look, look, look at this. Look at, look at that again. Whoever, now my, my version says this. My Amplified version says, whoever habitually keeps and obeys his word and treasures his message in him, the, watch this, everybody say love. The love of God has been matured. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So how is the love of God matured in us? Talk back at me. How is the love of God matured in us according to the scripture? When we habitually keep his word. Got quiet up in RCC. You down with RCC? Yeah, you know me? Okay. How do we grow and our love is perfected by keeping his word. Now, 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 wait, wait. I can sense this in the room right now. Well, Pastor George, that's impossible because you're trying to obey through your fleshly ways and not allowing the Holy Spirit and the word of God to change you. Right? You're, because the Bible says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going because I'm going to answer myself here. Second John. We're going on a journey. Second John chapter 1. You could, you, could, you could take a picture of these. Second John chapter 1, verse 6 in the NIV. In the NIV. Now, oh, this is so good. This is so good. So you know, you know how when somebody uh, says this is sugar <laughs> or gives you, gives you something, this is adobo, hoha, shabaha, or this is salt, right? If they say this is salt, you know you're going to turn the ingredients, right, and the ingredients, and, and it's going to give you the ingredients of salt, right? Or this is adobo, and it gives you the ingredients. Now, now, now if someone says this is love, ready? This is love. You turn around, and here's the ingredients. This is love. That we walk in obedience to his commands. See, it's organic. only has like one ingredient. Some of you didn't get that. Thank you, guys. For <laughs> the lesser the ingredients, the more pure it is. Right? This is love. Not a whole bunch of, yes, I know love is patient, love is kind, love is, but he, it's not either or, it's both. So watch, this is love. In other words, this is the definition of love. Ready? That we walk in, in obedience to his commands, as you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk 
in love. So if you really want to know the truth, truth is love and love is truth. Yeah? Oh, man, I'm not getting a lot of shouting today. Glory to God. True love is staying fully obedient to his word because our definition of love has been warped. What is love? One ingredient. One ingredient. According to the scripture, to keep his commandments. That's, that's the second one, right? Are you ready for the third one? Are you ready for the third one? We're just going on a journey here. We're just, okay. Worship team, if you could come up. We're, I'm, I'm about to close now. Look at this. Here's the third one. Worship team could come up here. Are you ready for this? Now, now, before I give you the next scripture, um, keeping God's commands in a society that is perverse and constantly changing means you will go against the flow. Oh, listen to that. That's so good. Keeping his commands in a society that is getting more and more out of touch in the word of God and less tolerant to the word of God means you have to go against the flow. But if you go against the flow, it doesn't mean you're mean. It means that you are sticking to being obedient to the Lord. Let me tell you, there's so much pressure in our culture today to not completely obey the word. Now it's like, well, God really didn't mean what he meant about these type of behaviors. You know, we've evolved. We see that. We hear that all the time. I'm sending you positive vibes, positive energy. We're evolving. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I don't need no vibes thrown at me. How, how do you even throw a vibe? Like, what is, what is that? I, I mean, I, I get it. Uh, you know, sending positive vibes your way. What, what is that? What does that mean? I, don't, I, I honestly don't know what it means. But when you're obedient to the Lord, that is concrete. Right? Now watch this. 1 John 5, verse 2 through 3. Are you enjoying this? Now look at the screen. Everyone, look at the screen. I'm letting the scripture talk right now. But the last one is the most gangster one of them all. Because, because I, what I'm doing now, I'm just giving you what Paul said about love. That's all consistent. What Peter said about love. But at the end, I'm going to tell you what Jesus himself says about love. So you won't get confused, right? So look at this. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. Are you ready? Ready? Read this with me. One, two, three. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Look at verse three. Loving God, say it with me, loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. The only way that that God's commandments are burdensome are for people that live their obedience on a temporal obedience and not on an eternal obedience. Those are the ones who it's, oh, it's so hard to serve God. It's so, so let me, what's so, what's so, what's so unpleasant or unjoyful about pure ecstasy in your spirit? And pure glory in your mind and your heart. Peace that passes all understanding. What is so difficult not to like about that? That the Holy Spirit, God himself, now lives in you, right? And you can experience the glory, I heard someone say this, of a billion suns inside of you. I mean, think about that. Now listen, loving God means keeping his commandments. And keeping his commandments are not burdensome. Say they're not burdensome. So the next time you try to get an excuse to say, well, living for God is so hard. I'm not trying to be insensitive. Here's what I'm trying to say. If living for God is so hard, then maybe you haven't fallen deeply in love with him because as you, this is what the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I was at a conference years ago in a youth conference and I said, does God say in his word that he'll give you the desires of your heart? And everyone says, yes. I said, no. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Then he'll give you the desires of your heart. But the desires of your heart will be in tune and aligned with God and God's word. So, so and, and in John 14, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, here's the, 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 the one that I'm saving for last. Here's the last scripture. And it's the probably the sharpest, uh, the most to the point. And uh, like I like to say, the most gangsterish. Well, gangster, because I don't like that word. Uh, yeah, let's, let's delete. Look at John 14, verse 21 through 24. This is the last scripture. Oh, man. So I, I gave you about five different scriptures on love. Say love. God's love. Say God's love. The love of God. And every one of them has everything to do with the ingredient of what love is, is obedience. Right? Now, now, this is a little sharp, 
but I'm just going to read it just like it is. Look at what it says in verse 21. Jesus, this is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. This is red letters to those who have red letter in the Bible there. This is Jesus speaking. He who has my commandments and keeps them. Hear me, please. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Look at verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Wait. I love God. I love God. And we're shacking up over here or, or lying about our, our, our finest over there or, or brutally um, uh, hurting someone on purpose. Listen, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Here's the dagger. Here's the dagger, but it's a good one. It's a good one. Look at verse 24, guys. I'm trying to get you out of this worldly mindset of obedience. He who does not love me does not keep my words. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. Now, I know that may be a little hard this morning, but I didn't make up a new book. I didn't, I'm, not, I'm not reading from this new revelation. I'm reading from the same Bible that you have. I'm reading from the same scriptures about love that you have and I have. What we need to do is we need to ask ourselves, what kind of love have I got a hold of when I first got saved? You know that when you first got saved, you gave up your rights and gave it to the Lord? It doesn't mean you can't have fun. It doesn't mean you can't go to the mall. You guys know what I mean. But what I am saying is, if you really have been transformed by the Spirit of the Lord, love means that you start correcting things in order to keep His Word. doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect, but it means that you're going to look at your spouse or you're going to look at your family and say, you know what? We haven't done the word of the Lord in in a long time. We're going to start doing it. Do you know do you know when Josiah found the book of the law? It had been gone for hundreds of years and he read it and he goes and he tore his clothes. You know what he said? He said, "We haven't been doing the words in this book." So that means he was actually doing kingly work for the Lord. Loving the Lord in that sense, honoring the Lord, but he not ever, the, the book of the law was, was in rubbles. It was in, it was in temp, it was in idol temples, and then we took it out of the house of the Lord filled with idols. Could you imagine that? The house of the Lord, there's, there's all these idols, and then they find the Bible that, that was hidden for like hundreds of years, and then someone starts reading it to him, and they're like, we haven't been doing, in other words, modern day, we haven't been doing church like the Bible says. We, have, we haven't been operating like the Scripture says. Listen to this. God is calling us back to, A, what truly love is. Love is powerful, but it is strong, and it's pure, and it demands obedience. How many love your spouse? If you love your spouse, you just can't do what you think you're going to do and gratify yourself. With, uh, with all these pleasures and feel that there's not going to be any consequence. If you love your spouse or you love your children, you will do the necessary things to make sure that you honor them. And some of us need to hear this because your definition of love, please hear me, and I'm just kidding this, this is for free. This is for, for free for you. Some of you um, have a selfish view of love. It's all about you. It's all about, well, she didn't give me this, or he didn't give me that, or she didn't, she didn't provide for me that, or he's not speaking to me this way, or he's not speaking to me, he's not providing this thing to me. Well, true love not only demands obedience to the other person, but also to you. So Jesus, uh, the Bible says that even an unbelieving husband will be saved by the chaste attitude of a believing wife. How much, more, how much more 
Come on. How much more if you have both believers and you're just struggling in your marriage, but you're seeking to keep God's word. You're seeking to be obedient to the word of the Lord. Then the Lord is going to be able to release that to you. You know, it's time to, to make wrong things right. So before we stand, I'm going to ask you one question. Are you, are you storing up treasures for yourself here on earth? Or are you storing up treasures in heaven? Lastly, if you're storing up treasures here on earth, then you'll continue to do things without making adjustments. Even after this sermon, you'll be like, well, I know that, that I got to make that. I know that, that I'm kind of not, not living right in this area, but that, that, you know what, I'll have time to, to do that later. Or I'll have time to obey the call of God. I'll have time to live in holiness later. Well, then you're just living for earthly treasures. If you're living for, for heavenly, eternity, then you will make some adjustments because you know your works in this lifetime, time, town, time count for all eternity. Can I hear an amen? Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Come on. I want us to worship right now before we dismiss. I want to ask you right now if, if this message is hitting home and there's some things that you need to be obedient in. The Lord is challenging you this morning. He's challenging you to see not only be obedient to the call of God in your life, but he's challenging you to be obedient to his word in your life. Everybody say love means obedience. Once, one more time. Say love means obedience. Now lift up your hands before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to say, God, I want to live for treasures in heaven, not just for the now. But I want to live my life to make it count. I want to be obedient. I want to love you with all my heart. Listen, all my soul and strength and mind. And to love you means to be obedient to you. The Lord is speaking to many right now. As you lift up your voice, there's things that he, you've been delaying obedience in that the Lord wants you to do it today. Come on, lift up your hands. Let's pray before we leave. Come on. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.